Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you think clearly so you can navigate confidently through your own personal Lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just doesn't work for Lyme disease. I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and this is Episode 93, and our special guest is functional medicine chiropractor, Dr. Tom Bain. Also with us in the studio is our certified show producer and the brains behind LimeNinja.com, Aurora. Hello. And my legs were hurting this morning, so I checked my pedometer, and it turns out that I had walked a whopping 21,000 steps yesterday. You did? Yeah. What were you doing? I was in Los Angeles for the Anime Expo. What's that? It's, well, it's the largest anime convention on the West Coast, actually. I went with my friend. Cool. And what's anime? Uh, Japanese cartoons, basically. But Wow. There are that many people who like Japanese cartoons? They, you, you have no idea. I do. That's correct. There, there, uh, were so many, there were so many people there. It was amazing. Yeah. There were at least 20,000 people there. Wow. Insane. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of doing things a little bit differently, <laughs> we're going to – this podcast is going to be a little bit different. We've split up this interview with Dr. Bain into three parts. And we did this, first of all, after I was done talking with Dr. Bain. The, the recording was 60 minutes long. It just went on and on. And that's because – it was such a great conversation. And when I went back to listen to the conversation, there wasn't any fluff to cut out. And I wanted to give you all of it. But 60 minutes is just way too long. And also, we've gotten recent feedback saying that the episodes are too long and that people don't listen to it because they don't want to miss anything. But then they never get to it because it's too long and they don't have time to squeeze in their busy schedule. So we're going to shorten these segments to about 30 minutes. So each episode is going to be about 30 minutes. And we have a long – if we do have a long interview, we'll break that up into parts. Also, we want your feedback about this. We got the feedback about them being too long and we want to hear from the rest of you too. Do you agree with that feedback or do you think, no, just leave things the way they are? So please, we value your feedback. We want your feedback. We need your feedback. Send your comments to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. That's feedback, the at sign, LimeNinjaRadio, that's all one word, dot com. So our three parts for this interview are the vitamin K, are about the vitamin K2. The second part is going to be about the latest science on probiotics. And then the, our third part is going to be a conversation about Dr. Tom Bain's new probiotic. Okay, Aurora, why don't you tell us a little bit about today's guest, Dr. Tom Bain. Dr. Tom Bain is a chiropractor practicing in the Chicago area. He practices at Pure Balance Health Center and focuses on detoxification and gut health. Tom takes a practical, scientific, and research-based approach to natural health. Thank you, Aurora. Here is part one of our interview where we dive into the importance of vitamin K2 with Dr. Tom Bain. Hello? Dr. Bain, hello. This is McKay Rippey from Lime Ninja Radio. Hi, how you doing? Quite well. Excellent. So, 
just to set things up a little bit, um, we're going to talk about probiotics, obviously. And you have some case histories with people with Lyme. Is that correct? So, you know what? I've been, um, I I practice functional medicine in Chicagoland, Mm -hmm. and I've had a practice in this area for 16 years. Um, The area I practiced previously, I did not see any Lyme. Uh, It wasn't something that was very common in uh, in Northern Europe, but... um, but so I've been I've been doing this for 24 years. But uh, the functional medicine side, I came to Chicago 16 years ago, and started seeing small numbers of Lyme patients, um, and truthfully, you know, not really. I, I can't really say that the protocols that I was using were were terribly effective. Um, about, I guess we're going on four years now when I was first. Uh, Given the exposure to these uh, these new strains of uh, probiotics, and um, and so I started using those with my Lyme patients, and I started seeing more effective results uh, with with my with the same protocols. Just instead of using a lactobifido based uh, probiotic, I was using the bacillus spore based probiotic. So it was the only thing that really changed. Now. I also have to say, though, that in, in my protocols, I do use uh, some techniques that, by law, I can't provide. Uh, like, I, I do uh, have a guy here in town that does uh, ultraviolet blood irradiation with uh, with ozone. Right. And uh, and so I, 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 you know, I have to I have to give that portion of the protocol uh, its kudos because, you know, that really seems to especially when they're acute, that really seems to uh, help them manage symptoms and kind of kind of get them out of the fog a little bit. Even though they don't feel like they're 100%, they definitely feel after they leave his office like they've uh, kind of got a boost of energy and, and feel like they're getting ahead of the infection a little bit. So so that's kind of, so, so my, you know, I'm a chiropractor, so I can't do IV stuff. So I, I have a... a an MD in town that I, I partner with and he's got a, uh, uh, the new, uh, UV blood irradiation and, and combo ozone machine. And, uh, that along with the, uh, functional medicine protocols we've been seeing, well, honestly, been seeing results I was never seen before. Um, previously I didn't, I didn't really, I, it, when, when a Lyme patient would come to me, I'd be like, all right, we're going to do whatever we can here, but, you need to do something else too, because I, I have not seen a lot of results with this. Now I've got people coming in referrals from some from other patients with Lyme, and uh, and they you know they may be doing other things, seeing other doctors, but they want to implement my protocol with it um, as a as a step forward in in, uh, in getting healthy. That's fascinating. What do you see? Yeah. In terms of chiropractic and what's happening with the spinal column and the nervous system? So, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, the, the, but what I, what my, my short answer to that would be nothing consistent. <laughs> um, you know, like I don't, I, I don't, I don't see a, a certain pattern of structural dysfunction in the spine with each Lyme's patient. You know, I, I always say to people, I'm going to fix what I find. Right. And so, you know, I do, there, there are some things that, you know, uh, 
when you got chronically sick people, whether it's Lyme or, or anything else, um, you tend to see a lot of upper cervical spine issues. Um, but then outside of that, it's just kind of whatever pattern of dysfunction their, their spine is, is adapting to in response to the inflammation, things like that. The other thing, the, the one thing that I can say, though, with, that is consistent with Lyme's is when I first start working with people, I definitely use um, very soft techniques of, of manipulation. I, I use an activator, um, instrument adjusting versus manual adjusting with, with my hands because I find almost, uh, well, too frequently, I won't say with everybody, but too frequently, those initial adjustments feel good, but in the two, three days afterwards, they get really, really sore. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a normal, oh, I, I had my spine adjusted soreness. It's a, it's like irritated and already inflamed area. And, and, you know, I have no ego and, and when I'm treating patients, you know, it's just like, I'm not afraid to say, Oh, I think I made your situation worse when I did that. And, and I wouldn't say, like I said, I wouldn't say a hundred percent of the time, but too many times the initial adjustments, uh, manual adjustments are too, are too hard. And I think that that's, you know, I think that that's a systemic inflammation, um, I, I think that that, you know, I've read and heard theories about that being associated more with the, the endotoxins from the, uh, from the Lyme and, and that getting into some of the joints and soft tissues and things like that. Um, you know, I don't have my own set of theories on that, but, but I've seen it enough to know we're just going to go slow. I'm, I'm going to fix these joints, but I'm going to do it with an instrument and, uh, and then we'll see how your how your body responds to that. Right. I hear similar stories with somebody early on with Lyme, or you know, after they're starting to feel a little better, their muscles are so tight. They say, "Oh man, it'd be great to go get a massage." And then they get the yeah. massage, and they're just wrecked for the same right. It's like the hurts again. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the same thing, and so. You know, um, what's interesting, so the, the, uh, the UVBI, the ultraviolet blood radiation thing, you know, um, I, that always was something that freaked me out, you know, because it was like, you know, you got two or three people in a room, you're taking all their blood, you're taking it into another room, you're, you're running it through this machine and then you're bringing it back, you're putting it back in their body. It's like, I always felt like there's just too many opportunities for error, contamination, whatever. So the new machines, um, that, that, um, it's a closed system, you know, so it goes in, it, it pulls the blood out. It's, it spins it through the UVBI in the machine comes as it's coming through and getting ready to go back into the arm. It gets a shot of the ozone and then it goes into the arm. So it never leaves the system really. And so hygiene wise, uh, human error, things like that. I, I like the machine a lot better. And the ones that, that I've been referring to, it's, it's all the spectrums of the UV light. It's not just UVB. So, um, so it's a, a unique machine. And, uh, honestly, I, I you know, the, there are people in Chicagoland that have been, been doing UVBI with, with, uh, line stations for years. And, uh, I, I never saw the benefits with that until this new technology came out. And, uh, that seems to, you know, 
it's, it, at first I'm, I was saying to myself, well, maybe it's just coincidence, but I've seen it with enough patients now, uh, both Lyme and mono patients. I've seen such good results with it compared to what we were seeing previously. That it's kind of, it's kind of the, the go-to. I, I used to just say to people, Hey, these are all the op- options that are available to you in this area. Here's some options that are available to you out of state. You know, I kind of kind of like to be a resource for people and not necessarily stuck on them doing the things that I can do. If if I had lines, I would be seeking out someone who has uh, more uh, cap- capacity capabilities to do things than I can. Um, so so I always felt like you know, well here's here's what's available. Previously, I'd be like, you could try the UVBI. My experience with it has been not so great. Uh, some people love it. Most people don't notice anything with it. But now with these new, with this new machine, uh, it's I make it a requirement. Of them. Like, if you want to see me, you've got to see this guy. You've got to do this. Okay. This technology. Yeah. So what do you? So know? it's interesting. I, what? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, what do you know about the fiber optic? Just the UV, where they insert that into the. I guess it's the artery as opposed to a vein. Um, right. Actually, I don't know. And then just uh, irradiate the blood that way. Do, are you familiar with that at all? And can you contrast it? If you, you can't, that's I've fine. Read, yeah, I've read about that, but I've got no experience. Okay. And I'm actually, um, you know, through through the uh, the interesting thing is when you, I'm sure you get this. You, you, your business is probably is very similar to mine in the sense that you meet some really unique people and, you know, you've got these people now on, on speed dial and you can call them and ask them a question, you know, whenever you want. And so, um, there's some interesting stuff going on in the field of concussion. Yes. Um, I'm fascinated by the concussion stuff. They're really doing some interesting things with light therapies and, and, and they're doing things with different, different types of technologies that, I said, well, hey, this, this, this would seem to have practical applications in a Lyme patient, yeah, you know, exactly. and, and things like that. So, so I think that, you know, there's a, there's an interesting thing going on right now where they're talking about, um, building a concussion hospital, uh, somewhere in the Everglades of Florida, um, and, uh, and, and doing a lot of, uh, neurological research and things like that. Now, the, the, the hard part about it is is that they're doing it with uh, with monkeys, and so you know the the the, the gathering of the data and understanding the concussion, uh, it even seems like Congress is kind of leaning towards well if we can study it in monkeys and understand it better, uh, we can come up with protocols like that. So so I'm, I'm not real crazy about that idea. I, I like monkeys, but uh, the 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 data that they have already extrapolated on the concussion side is, is interesting. And, and, you know, one of the, one of the things that's fascinating is they're showing it, um, is, is basically it's, it's a calcium transport problem. You know, that that's, that's the scarring that's happening in the, in, in the concussion brain is a, it's a calcium transport problem. Okay. So and that the, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm interrupted there. Finish. Yeah, that thought. No, it's okay. Yeah, but so we've been doing a ton of research with vitamin K2. Yes. And, yeah, and we've been showing. So what, what our most recent uh, research showed was that using 
340 mics of K or 320 mics of K2. Now that's MK, nobody on MK4 or MK7. What are you using? Seven MK7 okay. because the, the half life of MK4 is it's about so six short. To eight yeah. hours. Right. So the MK7, you've got it looks like you've got somewhere between on the low end, it looks like 36 hours. On the high end, maybe 72. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if the patient's taking the supplement daily, you'll have a steady state of the K2 going through their system. So, but what, what we've been able to show and what the research shows is that the K2, it, it grabs onto calcium when it's in a spot where it's not supposed to be. Right. Your joints, your arteries, um, and it takes it to the bones. So we theorized then that it would be doing that in the soft tissues too. Um, and so we jacked the dose up from 100 mics to 320 mics, and we gave patients of uh, MK7. So there's only one pharmaceutical-grade version of MK7, and so we used that one. Uh, all the other ones, we and we've tested them over and over. I mean, I would say 90% of the stuff on the market does not meet label claim. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and so, because it's such an unstable molecule. And so, so we did it 320 mics and what we showed was a 13% increase in cardiac output without any increase in blood pressure or or pulse pressure. So, so basically what what we showed was two guys, same height, same weight, going to do the same exercise for 60 minutes. One guy's been taking K2 for six weeks. The other guy hasn't. The guy that has been taking is going to pump 170 liters more of oxygenated blood through their system in that one hour of exercise. In a day, that person's going to pump 720 liters more of oxygenated blood through their body than the person not on the case. And is that just I muscle mean, efficiency, do you think? You know, we're working, we're going to phase two now to understand it better, mm-hmm. but it's tissue perfusion. It's taking the calcium out. You know, the aging process is a calcification process. <laughs> and that's, it's not just our joints that are calcifying. It's our arteries. Right. And the it's brain. Our, and it's our soft tissue. Now, do you and see, so, do you see in your Lyme patients those little nodules on joints uh-huh. and soft tissue too? My, I think those are just the same thing. I think that's just a localization. I have this totally off the wall theory that something with the Borrelia or similar infections uh, really interferes with the, with the K2 and encourages localized accumulations. And that's what you see. You'll see a little infection there and it'll interfere with that metabolism of the K2. So you have a calcium buildup and then the bacteria move on. So there's infection isn't there anymore necessarily, but you have these buildups all over and you, with patients, they'll come and go. They'll have a flare up and the nodules will show up and then the flare up will disappear and the kind of the metabolism gets back to normal, the calcium metabolism and these things start to fade again. And it just, do you know Kate Rheum Blue? In Canada, yeah. who's written the book, uh, she, one of the K2 books, K2 Miracle or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, she's, yes. uh, she, she's a pretty good clearinghouse for current research on K2. So what's, what's fascinating about it is that there's an Italian company, there are, um, there's, a, there's an Indian company, the Indian company makes the pharmaceutical grade one. There's some Japanese companies and there's some Chinese companies. Um, most of your, your big name companies are using a combination of, um, of the Italian company and Chinese companies. And when we test them, I mean, 
there's no reason in, in this forum to mention names, but I'm talking about major physician lines that everybody knows their name. When we test it, it says it's got 100 mics in it. We're, we're in some cases finding none, but in many cases finding 5, 10, 15 micrograms. When on the label, it says 100. And and it's it's so crazy to me that, um, that that they're able to get away with this. And you know, if, if you and if you and I started right now and said we're going to make an antioxidant product, well, we couldn't get away with this. We would have to do before and after testing to prove stability. I mean, everybody's like, oh, well, your products aren't FDA approved. Well, no, but the facility I make it in is, and they have to adhere to those standards. And if I say there's a hundred micrograms of acetyl carnitine in this, there better be 100 milligrams of that or I can't sell it. Right. But there's two categories of products that, that don't fit into that, and that's vitamin K2 and it's probiotics. Now, the probiotics are because it's so damn expensive to uh, genetically sequence uh, your finished product. The K2 is because they can't decide what is the gold standard of evaluating it. And so this Italian companies come up with their own way of doing it where basically they, they keep it in a dark room and they use a black light to count uh, the specs that tell you how, how much K2 is there. But uh, Silica Labs has come up with a, a standardization of how to evaluate vitamin K2. And according to all their testing, the only uh, K2 that, that, uh, that, that is stable is... Uh, is Mediquin Gold. Uh, there's a couple companies that sell Mediquin Gold, but um, uh, but so we use it at the 320 microgram dose. And so, uh, like I said, in taking all this information that I'm learning from these concussion protocols and then taking all the information I'm learning from um, uh, spinal cord injuries and, and then looking at a Lyme's patient and having all this data from these other circumstances, I'm like, wait a minute, how, how can we not like, you know, an extra 720 liters of oxygenated blood going through this patient? You know, that can only be good. Right. Um, and, you getting know, the calcium, much, and getting the calcium out of there that shouldn't be there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's kind of like, from my perspective, that that's, that's how I've, um, my protocols with the Lyme patients have grown based on other data from other places. And then I'm looking at my Lyme's patient and I'm thinking, okay, well, uh, more oxygen sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Decreased calcification sounds like a good idea. You know, so, so, so as part of those protocols, I've kind of, you know, I've added to Lyme's patients some of the things that we're learning from some of these other studies that are going on. My, my, um, you know, here in Chicagoland, in the 16 years I've been here, the incidence of lines has skyrocketed. I mean, it used to be, you know, you'd hear it once, twice a year, you'd hear about a Lyons patient. Um, there was one, when I first moved here, there was one big Lyons doc who was here, a female doctor, and she actually got Lyons and, and had yeah. to retire, which was ironic. Yeah. Um, but now there's there's a couple people in town that are quote unquote line specialists and they're pretty much just handling people with antibiotics, but, right. but there's such a need for it yes. um, because the, the numbers are just going through the roof. Now, I got two, two questions because I also do want to talk about probiotics, but before we do that, yeah. 
Um, well, let's do the since we're on this topic now. Do you think the incidence is an increase in the disease or the awareness or both? Both. Okay. I think that there were too many undiagnosed cases before, but I but I do think it's spreading. Okay. And then the second question. So back to the concussion. Do, do you have any patients who are doing any of that eye tracking treatments? Are you familiar with like that with the concussion? Is that EMDR or no? No. No, it's another. There's post concussion uh, syndrome. There's uh, some research, and it's not. Unfortunately, this is like third hand for me. I'm just finding out about it. Where part of the problem with uh, brain function is the eye, the physical eye and the brain function of the eye get out of sync. And so the brain has to work incredibly hard just to see and that and get essentially recalibrating the eyeballs themselves with the brain part of the vision uh, really in, improves cognition because you're not spending all this energy just trying to see. That, that you take the stress out of the system that way. Yeah, I'd love to read more about that. I, I don't know anything about yeah, that. Yeah, just, I just found out about it and just real curious about it. It sounds, you know, it sounds entirely plausible. One of these kind of invisible things like why, you know, some people with concussions, they just have symptoms that go on and on and on. So if you have something invisible like this, like you're, you know, you think you're seeing, but actually your brain's working 100 times as hard because you're, it's right. this rapid eye movement just to track, then that, that would exhaust you in 10 minutes. You know, you'd have to sit down and close your eyes or get a migraine. Right. I only understood what you were talking about because of our other interview with Kate Room Blue. So if you ninjas want even more info on K2 and why it's so important, that episode will really fill you in, including how much to take, what form of K2 is the best, and how it helps your immune system. I think that episode was number 77, and I interviewed her about her book, Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox. You are correct. It was episode 77. All right. Nice to be correct. Now, K2 is interesting. That's why I wanted to have this great conversation with Dr. Bain as well. K2 deficiency is correlated with Alzheimer's disease, and part of Alzheimer's is the plaques that are formed in the brain, and they have calcium in them. And I know some Lyme patients also have similar brain plaques. And you can see why this vitamin might be really, really important, especially if you're not getting the K2 from natural sources. And the natural sources are your gut bacteria and then grass-fed eggs, beef, and poultry, and particularly the fatty parts. It's a fat-soluble vitamin, so it's in the fatty parts of these uh, these food sources. And if you're on long-term antibiotics, your gut bacteria may be disturbed and you may not be producing your natural K2 from inside and you need an external source there. 
You know, there's so many different ways to nourish your brain and the clear brain fog. And one of my favorites is brain fog breathing. And I teach that to my patients. And I really, really like it because there are no pills to swallow. You can do it anywhere. And it takes only a few minutes. So you can do it in the car. You can do it when you're getting ready for work. Whenever you need some clarity in your brain, uh, it really, really helps. It it oxygenates your system so it gets the brain, the oxygen that it needs, and it also helps balance the left-to-right communication, so it gives you some of that clarity that you may otherwise be lacking. It's really an amazing technique. Yes, and to get your brain fog breathing cheat sheet, just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com. It's used in my dad's acupuncture practice, and you can use it too. Just go to LimeNinja.com front slash brain fog. And if you like this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. It just helps get the word out. We'd really, really appreciate that. And, again, we're looking for feedback on this new, slightly shorter format. And the feedback address, email address, goes right to my inbox. Feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. That's feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. And we just talked to Dr. Bain about K2, and the next episode will be about the current research into probiotics. And there's so much new information coming out that many of the old probiotics that are out there are based on research that's 20 years old or sometimes even more than that. And so you're not going to want to miss this conversation. He's really going to explain what the latest about uh, probiotics is and the research that he did himself. It's really a fascinating, fascinating interview. And then after that, we've got a little bit more about his specific supplement that he's created out of this research. All right. This is McKay. And Aurora. Signing off from Lime Ninja Radio. Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.